welcome to Miss Checkpoints, the video game book club po- podcast. Yeah. Today we're wrapping up the discussion of Beyond Good and Evil. Uh, I'll, I'm your host, Marcus, and joining me today, as always, are the homies and co-hosts. We have Darren, a.k.a. Dante. What's up? We have Greg. Yo. And last but not least, we have Trevor. What's going on? And uh, Darren, why, since this is your game, why don't you uh, tell us where we're uh, picking up at? Okay, so last time we left off at the end of the Neutropolis factory. Essentially, we blew that place up, and um, right before that happened, actually, Paige got kidnapped. So we're picking up with Jade heading with Double H to the slaughterhouse. Yeah, and uh, how'd you guys, like, I guess at this point, I think we had all uh, said that, you know, Jade is showing a little bit more emotion. Uh, she, you know, there's, I guess it's more like investment in the story at this point. And um, we, uh, we're trying to figure out how to get to the slaughterhouse. I think there's a little bit of like side stuff you have to do in the town, right? In the Hillis town. Yeah, you have um, access to a couple different missions. I think this is the point where you get the jump upgrade for your ship. So you kind of get another portion of the map that you can access, and there's a couple hidden races and stuff like that that you can do in the process. Yeah, I think at this point it was like you had to – there's like that orb currency that we talked about last time where you do side missions or even main missions. It's basically like the um, currency to upgrade your hovercraft at the Mamago's shop. And um, at this point it's like, oh, you need to have uh, like 20 – orbs in order to upgrade your ship so like they're really at this point pushing the side content and like how did you guys feel about that did um i I was like i'm the completionist so i was doing that anyways so i already had enough leaving the factory to be able to get that upgrade but where it was anybody else just trying to straight line the story and having to do any of that side mission yeah i ended up having to do a good bit of side mission stuff um which i didn't personally like but uh, but yeah, I kind of had to power through it. Now, one thing that got me on this part was like, after you bring back um, Double H, um, isn't that the part where they open up that side room and there's just a bunch of pearls in there? Yep. I think so, right? Or is okay. that after the... And you only get one. <laughs> no, it gave me multiples. It gave me yeah. like 20. I thought it was like I thought they gave you like the first time you. I could have sworn uh, that you like didn't get like a lot of them until later. Um, I think that actually, I think you go in that room twice. Since what we're talking about is the Iris Network like headquarters, and they have like a side room, and it's like a really like a display room for these orbs. And I think I'm not sure how many you get the first time you go in there, which is when you first discover the Iris Network and you first meet up with everybody. But at this point, um, I think uh, I think there were like eight eight in there or something like that. You got all of them. I could have sworn there were like twenty because I came out of there and I felt like I was rich, <laughs> like I was balling because I didn't even have to do any of the side missions after I um, returned after I came back with Double H. Like once what? I got in that room, I was able to get the the jump upgrade, and then I was able to go into um, the slaughterhouse. It may have given you more than one. Um, it's just kind of weird how they jump you to the menu immediately after you get an orb. It yeah. is kind of hard to tell the amount they're giving you. And I knew, like, just visually looking at the room after I 
exited the menu that there was more. So I kind of assumed they kind of cheapskated me a little bit. Yeah, like that. One of the things that um, the game, like they have all the orbs labeled. So if you were working from a guide, then you could say, "Oh, I have orb number seventeen, but I don't have orb 16. And you could like find a guide and say, "How do I get orb sixteen? And there were a few that like it literally was like orb forty six to fifty two is you get this at this action, so or at this instance. So um, there were a couple that were all tied to one event or one side mission. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, did anybody get all the orbs? Bruh. <laughs> I, I believe I did. I think I, I did. I, I got I got to tell you, I got to talk about it later. <laughs> I got to talk about it later. Um, but yeah, so um, you get those orbs, you get the, uh, the jump, the jump upgrade. And then that allows you to, uh, get access, you have to go through one of the side mission race. There's like a wall or something, and then you jump in, and that's like the side access to the slaughterhouse. And um, how does everybody feel about the slaughterhouse? Because uh, I hated uh, the slaughterhouse. It, okay, <laughs> like, like parts of it, okay, I thought it started out kind of cool, but the amount of stealth just kind of ruined it for me because after a certain after a certain point, I got so frustrated of like either getting caught and then trying to fight and or you know um there was that that was one issue I had with it, and then I had to backtrack because towards the end of it, I had already taken two of the pictures, but I guess I missed the picture you were supposed to take at the beginning, so then I had to figure out how to backtrack all the way through it to go back and and get that was the one near the beginning the one the orb where you had to go up the um, gate, anybody's not last orb for that, or not last section for that area, essentially? Like, did anybody do that first? I didn't do it first. I okay, so, all right, so I don't feel bad. Because, yeah, that was, <laughs> I went and did the other two, and then that was the one I was like, well, hold up. I I couldn't figure out how to get up to it. Yeah. Bruh. Like, well, actually, and before we even talk about the slaughterhouse, like, actual, the, like, the being in getting there, like, you have to do that vehicle sequence where you're riding on that, like, uh, street, that highway or bridge or whatever, and you're getting attacked, uh, like, there's explosions and stuff happening, and then you land in an area, and, like, the the, the mine, like, the, the, the torpedo ship, there's, like, a Domsey ship in this body of water, and what they, it did is it, it would drop a homing mine into the water. Yeah. And then you just had to, like, basically traverse through in your hover ship and go to the part that's blocked, you know, that you're stuck at. And then you would have to hop or whatever and the, let the mine run into that part to blow it up. That part was so frustrating for me because, like, just, like, I, I don't feel like you have that much control in the, air, the, the hover ship. All you can do is just drive forward there's no like stop or like like a break or like a reverse or anything so it's just really go forward and with the way the camera was for me i i I literally died like two or three times at that part which is like outside of like the dungeon and i felt so like bad at video games at at this part oh it definitely makes you feel bad at video games out of curiosity you know that you could home in on the mines and shoot them uh, hold up. The uh, ones that were on in the, the water? Ones? 
The yeah, big, if you just have, if you use the homing attack upgrade for your ship, I didn't think you then could, you could actually destroy those. I, I tried to do it, but it, didn't it, yeah, it never it never worked for me. Yeah, I couldn't do, I couldn't destroy the big ones. It was the smaller oh, ones. Are you talking you about the ones with the red like outline around them? Yeah, like the uh, big ones. the fat ones, the big fat ones. The fat ones you had to push the crates into, but I was just talking about the ones the ship drops. You can shoot those. Oh, I see what you're saying. Ones. The ones that oh yeah you. yeah the the enemy ones like the one thing I will say is like because I got hit by a couple where it's like I couldn't get the camera to a position because basically like the the way the camera is it's like you're in your airship or hover ship and then it's so zoomed in uh, to the back of your ship that you really don't have any field of view behind you so you basically have to play off of like sight and like a visual there's like a uh, or not sight but like um. There's a blinking red that happens on your screen, and a uh, like a ding 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 like a like a timing or a beeper uh, the closer it is to you. So like I thought that was kind of cool. Like hey, like there, I can't tell how far this thing is from me because of the camera angle, but they at least give a visual and an audio like uh, point of uh, cue, uh, a visual and audio cue in order to tell you how close it is to you. But it doesn't make it any less frustrating because of the way the camera is. Yeah, there's also a weird thing with the smaller mines, the enemy place mines, where it seems like your ship, you, either your ship is gravitating towards them, or they're gravitating towards you, like naturally. Are you so talking like, about the not homing ones, the ones that are stagnant? Yeah, like you know how there's that one tunnel in the slaughterhouse where it has all of those mines, and you have oh, to oh oh yeah, get all yeah, the way across. Yeah, like. I tried to stay still just long enough for me to like slowly navigate through. But then I noticed either my ship was moving backwards or the mine was moving forward, even though everything should have been stagnant, just the way everything was laid out. I actually figured out the easiest thing to do in that part when you're trying to weave through all those mines is to switch to the, um, the first person view, like when you're when yeah. you the compass thing. And it actually makes it seem like it's a, a you have a narrower um, entrance through it. Yeah, I never like, even considered uh, what, that. What what we're talking about is basically um, once you get into the t- quote unquote dungeon that is the slaughterhouse, there is a sequence where you're in your your airship hovership, and there is a minefield, and these are stagnant mines, so they don't move. But you have to like you're in a very narrow like corridor like pathway, and you have to like bob and weave your way through to get to the uh, the docking station so you can get out the the hovership and. I think I like me personally, I think just the vehicle doesn't have enough precision uh, in order to really like avoid that kind of stuff. And so it was a little bit um, frustrating. Like I didn't die at that part, but like my ship took a lot of damage at the slaughterhouse. Um, I I bought a bunch of wrenches and stuff to heal up my ship at this section. because. Fortunately, once you get into the slaughterhouse, there's not too, too much ship stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it's still enough to be kind of annoying at times. Yeah, the, the other, way. Go ahead, Trevor. Uh, the other frustrating thing I was going to say, since you mentioned that about navigating, is there's no reverse. So yeah, there were times exactly. where I would drive up and I would slow down right before hitting a mine, and then I would try to put it in reverse, but then I'd still be kind of like drifting, and I'd still end up hitting it. Yeah, there was a sequence later on that I will talk about that I had that same exact issue. It's another hovercraft issue that I had. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I guess we should point out, too, with the slaughterhouse, 
this dungeon is kind of weird because unlike the other ones where you're doing everything in, in, uh, completely on foot, this one, uh, it's, I guess, I want to say it's probably the biggest area dungeon that you have, and you basically go from one sequence and you do it on foot, then you get back in the hover ship and drive to the next area, get off the hover ship. So there's, like, puzzles and, like, challenges in the hover ship as well as being on foot. So, um, uh I thought that was kind of cool. It was a very expansive uh, dungeon. Like, there was a lot of variety in it. But even, like, the on-foot stuff, kind of what Greg alluded to earlier, um, there was a lot of stealth sequences similar to the factory stuff. And I feel like the Slaughterhouse was basically stealth mode insanity difficulty because it was basically, like, as soon as you got spotted, there was, like, a... uh, uh, the turrets? Uh, yeah, like a, a basically a camera in the room, and you didn't you didn't uh, draw attention to the camera. But if you draw attention to a guard, the camera would zoom in on you, and you would immediately die. Like no matter how much health you have, it would shoot a laser at you, and you'd immediately die. And it was every single room. So like there, you had to be stealthy in this uh, in the in the um, slaughterhouse, and it was very like. Camera angles again, like just doesn't have the the precision that you need in order to do that. So, one thing I will say in its defense, um, I I definitely understand the criticisms of the self, and in fact, a lot of it didn't work in my opinion. But I do think it was a little bit like it was trying to do something ahead of its time, where even though the map itself was linear, the way you could tackle the guards was very open-ended. So, like, halfway through, I kind of had an epiphany. Hey, I can use this little disc thrower thing I have and hit a guard from, like, a couple feet away. Another guard's going to go to him, and I might be able to get around both without even having to do anything for real. Yeah, there was definitely that. And then also, too, like, like you go into the slaughterhouse with your teammate, uh, Double H, but a lot of times you guys were separated, so it was a um, a lot of stuff that you just did by yourself, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but it was kind of also disappointing because, like, one of the things that I thought early on when we were playing this game, that every dungeon you technically have a different partner and they help you out in different ways. And it was kind of like, oh, well, you got to use them at the end of the factory, but you don't really get to use them that much in the slaughterhouse at all, you know? I, think, that, uh, I think they did that intentionally because if you think about it, like if you would have had double H the entire time, like that literally would have made that way easier as far as like, Oh, I'll just have him like power through this dude. And then, you know, I don't really have to worry about combat for real. That's true. And I guess too, like it's, they wouldn't have been able to do as much stealth as they did because he's not there for stealth. He's there for combat and going through lasers. That, that, that reveal was, yeah. yeah, that reveal was kind of cool. So he's like, uh, we said last show, he's wearing like a knight's armor. Or it's really like the same exact armor that the guards are wearing. And he just doesn't have the helmet on. But it, the the armor, like, doesn't take any damage from lasers or anything. So, like, there are a lot of laser field puzzles and things. And the guards can literally, like, walk through it or whatever. And he's the same way because he's wearing this armor. And uh, that would have made it a lot easier. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. Um, in one part of the slaughterhouse, when he's walking through a laser, he actually says, oh, yeah, my suit is laser proof. 
Yeah, yeah. And then he has like the little scrawny legs running through lasers at his ankles, and it's like, well, you don't really got stuff on your shoes or anything, but whatever. <laughs> One thing that kind of surprised me was there was um, no boss battle at the end. I thought that was kind of an interesting design choice. Which, I mean, I guess it makes sense since you can tackle that dungeon in a lot of different ways. Essentially, you have three mini dungeons in the dungeon, so unless they sent you to some central point at the end. But would you have really wanted a boss battle in the hovercraft? You're 100% right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, (laughs) I was going to say, there's not necessarily, like, um a good spot to have had that. And I'm not really that upset about it because I feel like they were putting forward the other aspects of the game, not ne- the, the puzzles and the, the, the stealth and not necessarily the combat. So there were very few sequences throughout the entire Slaughterhouse, all three parts that you had to actually fight somebody. You know, talking about it in re- retrospect, it kind of, I kind of feel like it was almost filler because they're, there wasn't really any story things. You didn't find MDIS there, at least I didn't. I think there might have been a couple, but um, you don't really get that much development from JHH. You don't really find out too much about Paige either, if I remember correctly. Uh, well, you do, but I, I will say, though, kind of how you feel about the Black Isle and like um, the Black Isle is like the, the training ground for how to use, how to, you know, beat Jade and just the combat and everything. I feel like this was like the training ground for the vehicle stuff because vehicles were going to play an important part later on in the story. So like, you know, you, you leave the factory and you have to get some, um, uh, some orbs. And what do they tell you to do? Oh, well, when you get enough orbs, you want to go to the third race. So like one, they're already pushing you towards the races and, um, Throughout the entire slaughterhouse, uh, like like going from different points to different points, you have to be in the vehicle there too. So I feel like they were really pushing forward the vehicle aspect of the game, and like even that that section um, when you first get to the slaughterhouse, where you're driving on the bridge and there's explosions and you're getting attacked and you have to bob and weave the explosion. That felt very reminiscent of like how like Halo used to like the 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 last section of every the, you know the last level in Halo. It, yeah. it felt very reminiscent of that, where you're, you know, you're just driving the warthog out of this area before it explodes, and that's kind of how that felt as well. Yeah, I actually thought I was driving to the boss battle when I got to that point. Yeah, yeah, I did too. But then you're like, oh, nope, you're in the lake, and watch out for these mines. Um, so I guess, is there anything else about Slaughterhouse? Yeah, so I think at the very end, is don't you find out that little tidbit about Paige? I thought that was like the crucial. I thought that's when you go back to Iris. That's when you find out about the thing. You... Pages oh, ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, after the slaughterhouse, you go back to report your findings to the Iris network, and then once you get there, they get a radio uh, signal, radio communications from the governor, who's basically the leader of the Iris network. He's like the underground. Uh, Nobody knows who he is. Well, Jane ends up, you know, being in this uh, thing. Here's the radio communications, and she recognizes it as Paige's voice. And so she reveals that Paige is the, I think they call him the chief or something like that. And she recognizes him as the chief. And uh, then she's like, oh, okay. And then they're trying to basically figure out where he's at. Yeah, and that kind of 
sets up for the end game portion of the game, essentially. Get the last orbs that you need, buy the last couple upgrades, do what you need to upgrade the ship, and then head off for Paige, essentially. Oh, but actually before that, too, like, um, uh, right as soon as you leave the um, slaughterhouse, there's another, like, one of the things that they do throughout the game is every time you leave, like, you finish a dungeon and you leave, the Hillis, the, the the planet gets attacked by the Dom Z, the, the alien race, and you have to fight some like uh, flying worm kind of creature or whatever. And um, I think that doesn't the the uh, you fight that character, come back to Iris uh, Network, and you find out that oh the um, what is the, the lighthouse? Place? Yeah, the lighthouse, the the place that you are housing the orphans and basically your home base has been destroyed. And also the um, what are the the alpha sections news? Uh, everybody's protesting the news as well at the same time because they're they're basically saying like, oh, this you know the Iris Network has been putting out uh, pictures like the pictures you're taking um, infiltrating the alpha sections has basically revealed that hey, they're not what they say they are, and uh, so there's a lot of I guess you could say chaos and protesting going on in the cities protesting the the people in power. Did we, uh, did we miss over the part where they tell you that you got to go to the moon to get paid or there's just a lot of stuff going on in this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it got heavy real quick. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, okay. What, what, what we got? We got your, your home base gets destroyed. The lighthouse. Um, people are protesting in the streets against the alpha sections. Um, Paige is still kidnapped, but you reveal that he's the chief and you have to go to the moon in order to find him. And then on top of that, they're like, hey, why don't you explore Helios, the you know, the city, and basically do some odd jobs for us so you can afford orbs in order to upgrade your ship, you know? So there, there's just a lot of stuff going on. They Basically, the game is pushing you to doing a lot of side missions in order to gear up for the, um, the, the final dungeon, I guess you could say. So did everybody hit the, um, the side mission in the town where you kind of you have to go through a bunch of guards like a ton and then you end up in this like chase sequence that ends with you like jumping roof to roof and stuff like that yeah oh yeah there were two actually of those, yeah right? there were two of those there were two of those hmm i like this i don't know how to differentiate between the two because those were the ones <laughs> where you actually had to use those keys that you found like yeah the, um like and it was weird because you find all the keys at one time and then you come back and you're able to use them. I thought you were going to find them at different locations. Okay, like, I'm talking about the one with the star key. Now I think about it. Okay, that may have been the second one then. Is that the one where you get chased by the the, the guy who's deemed like the head of the uh, alpha sections? The dude with the band-aids on his face? Yeah, General Keck, I think that's his name. Yeah, that sounds right. Because there's two. There's one where you get chased by some like just random enemies. And then there's the other one where you're getting chased by that guy. And then he basically kind of says, like, we'll see you soon or something like that. Very ominously. Yeah, I think that's the one where, like, Double H, I think she has to, like, leap onto, like, a like a billboard or TV yeah. screen type thing. And then, like, Double H saves her. With that, like, dramatic catch at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thought he was going to miss her. Yeah. I've like, never played a video game before. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> Um, I, I was telling you guys, too, I ran into a glitch when we were doing this. So, like, during this um, this section, you're, like, going through and 
trying to collect orbs. So you're going to a lot of side rooms in the city and everything. And there's one um, section where you're basically you're, you're going up an elevator. It's the very end of this dungeon. And you're going up an elevator, and there are two crates. And you have to basically hide, like, walk around the crates and hide behind them because along different walls of this elevator shaft are guards standing posts. So you have to hide behind the crates to get out of their field of vision. And so, like, you, you, you basically hide from, like, three or four of them. And then the fifth one... The elevator, as it's going up, it stops on his floor, and he gets off, and he starts doing his walking path on the elevator. Well, I hid uh, behind a crate, went up to the very top, and as soon as we got to the top, I saw, oh, he's walking away, and I ran up and hit him to, like, you know, incapacitate him, and the the game, it zoomed to a... uh, one of those cameras that shoot the laser that automatically kill you. And so it, it immediately shot up to that point of view and then it shot back down and I had killed the guy and I was just standing there. And then the elevator immediately started dropping and it went back down to that guy's floor. And then it just stood there and it just stopped. And I walked around for about two or three minutes just on the elevator waiting. I didn't know if I had, I didn't know what was going on, you know, so I was expecting another enemy to pop up or something, and nothing happened, so I'm like, okay, cool, let me go to the inventory, or, and I couldn't, I didn't have access, to, I didn't see the HUD, I couldn't hit any buttons except for pause, I could only pause the game, so I ended up having to restart, like, I had to pause it, exit out the game, and then reload the game, and have to start that dungeon back from the beginning, because I just caught a glitch. It was very weird. <laughs> was I, very... I didn't experience anything that bad. Yeah, it was it was just very disconcerting because it was just like, what the heck is going on? You know, I'm just running around and I, I didn't know I had done something wrong and then just nothing was happening. And it was kind of like when you said you dropped into that that hole and you just oh, ran yeah. around and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. Or this, is, this is not a thing. So it literally looked like I was in the sunken place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, like, that, that was kind of weird, and that, that dungeon ended up being, or that side area ended up being cool, it was the one where you had to, like, dodge all the lasers and stuff, so I didn't mind doing that one over again, but uh, overall, it was just a lot of, like, filler stuff in order to basically get enough currency in order to upgrade your ship, so, all in all, there so, wasn't that much going on at this section, gameplay-wise, it was mostly, like, the story beats that, um... That's what we were here for. I was, uh, at this point in the game, I was starting to get kind of fed up with it just because how much stealth was involved and just kind of how many times. I don't know about you guys, if you died a bunch there, like to various stealth parts. But, uh, and, and a lot of the deaths I had were just because I either got impatient or I just, you know, I thought I wasn't in sight, but I was and just ended up dying because of stuff like that. Yeah, at one point I just I just gave up and I just started luring luring some of the um the guards out of the area that they're in and then just fighting them one on one. Yeah, I think by the time I had like a bunch of uh health stars, if there wasn't if it wasn't like, you know, in the slaughterhouse where there was like instant death if you were spotted, it got to the point where I was like, Alright, I'll just fight it out. Yeah. You know, just just get this over with. Yeah, yeah. It's basically like I the stealth part is so not fun. That you would rather do the equally not fun combat over the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And then also hate it when it, it forced a certain camera angle so that you couldn't change views. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they go for like cinematic camera angles, uh, like when you're going down a hallway, which is cool, you know, like I, I think that was probably like a uh, like a not necessarily uh, thing that people did at the time this game was out, you know. So like I'm not going to take that from them. But it just, with the way this game was, it was like, oh, we're going to zoom out as you're walking. You're like basically go from holding up, walking along a, a bridge. And then the camera, once you get to the middle of the bridge, it immediately changes. And you see like the, 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 the profile, like the side view of the bridge. And you, you're like, oh, what the heck? Like, you know, it's very jarring to have that kind of harsh like jump from camera angles that you have no control of. Or is that just me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely agree. That and then there's I don't know if anybody else noticed that there's sounds where like you would be able to move the camera left and right, but literally up and down only like raises it a little bit, and you don't have like full control either in those uh, situations. Yeah, yeah, I had that happen a lot too. Like especially like it was mostly when I was trying to like look over like a corner or look around a corner, and it was just the camera was just like, "No, nah, I'm going to center on Jade, and you're just going to see her. That's all you need to see." Yeah. Um, we'll see. But, uh, at this part, I think you ended up like, um, I think Paige, he says something in that radio communication about, Hey, look under those rocket boots, you know? And like, you basically found a pair of his rocket boots back in the, um, the factory where he got, uh, uh, abducted and, um, you find out, Oh, this dude, he put like two door keys on, uh, two, uh, four digit, passcodes uh, to different doors in his workshop. So you end up going to the lighthouse and uh, your home base and then you have this another sad sequence. This is another one of the few times that Jade actually shows emotion. She shows actually, she ends up showing a lot more emotion in the second half of the game, but she sees that all the the orphans that she was taking care of have been abducted and it's uh, the lighthouse has been destroyed and she's just super overcome with sadness at this point. Like, um, you know, she just kind of like, what is it all worth? You know, like, it wasn't worth all this. And she's just like, I think Double H is even feels a little bit sad for her. Like, these are people he hadn't met, but he's seen that she's so overcome with emotion that he, he's just kind of like, well, if you need anything, I'll be over here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, she gave a grief speech to a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point, I was kind of like, hey, I know this dog is sad right now, but I'm about to take a picture of him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so then, like, you know, you're you're hanging out at the the lighthouse, and then, you know, you you see a a, a door key that you can type something in, and so you, you type it in with one of Paige's codes, and then you get access to one thing, and he kind of is, like, saying, like, hey, it's some note that he left for himself about, hey, don't forget. It was like a grocery list of things he needs to pick up for a spaceship. And it's like, oh, don't forget to go to those crooks and pick up another uh, this part. And then also don't forget to pick up this part. And basically he's letting on that you need to pick up these two parts for the spaceship. And then you you go to the second door, you type in the... Um, the thing and you gain access to the spaceship and you end up finding the, the beluga and seeing that for the first time. And uh, basically then at that point it's like, well, go to Mama Goes and if you have enough uh, 
enough orbs, then you can buy the last two upgrades for the spaceship. Otherwise, you're going to have to grind out some more side content. Yeah, it wasn't up until this point that I actually had to start going back and doing some of the side missions. And Well, I think they usually make it so you don't you can't have enough to get both of them at the same time. Yeah, so yeah, like if you there's a little bit of grinding required because you can do like the looter cave and the races, and if you haven't even done like any of the stealth stuff in the city, then you won't have enough money. So, or you know, taking pictures or even find stuff in, in dungeons too. Because there was like one dungeon where I missed, uh, I missed one of the uh, the orbs in the factory dungeon. So. I, I did a little backtracking. At this point, I even found a guide because I'm like, hey, we're probably really close to the end of this game. So let me go ahead and make sure I have all the orbs and all the animals documented. So I pulled up a, a guide and ended up doing a lot of backtracking at this part and um, trying to basically fill out my uh, my orb list. I think I had to do a couple of the looters caves and then... Um... You go back to Mama Goes, uh, or at least I think I was going back just to kind of see if there was any orbs I could buy there just for, by chance. And then um, the guy that's at the front says something about there's a um, there's a cave that has a bunch of treasure in it. I think you have to go back to Black Isle, and this is when you can actually – or I may be getting ahead of myself now. Once you have the first upgrade, yeah, 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 yeah. the last two. Okay. Yeah, I was getting ahead of myself there on that. But, but anyway um, – you end up finding out that you can get a bunch of orbs that way. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much where we're at now, where um, you get the first 15 orb upgrade, I'd like to say. I think it's 15. And that allows you to levitate the Beluga. It doesn't have enough for space travel, but essentially you have the ability to go back to the map, and it kind of did something I wasn't expecting at all, and it kind of becomes open world ish where you can just fly wherever you want. I definitely yeah. can expect you to be able to do that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. So the Beluga is the uh, spaceship that uh, was hinted at earlier in the game. And it's something that Paige had had hiding and uh, you buy the first upgrade from Mama goes and it basically allows it to be stabilized like flight stabilizer or something like that. So, then at this point, you can take your hovercraft and you can park it in the Beluga, the spaceship, and then you basically fly around in the hub world that you before only had access to from the water. You can basically fly anywhere. So it's a, it's a lot quicker way to travel in the game. And then when you need to go into a cave or whatever, you just hop out the uh, hover ship and then you just go in, you know? So... And that was one thing I thought was really neat that they didn't treat it like a different vehicle. They made it more like an upgrade to your hovercraft. Yeah, yeah, that that was cool. That was cool. But then um, the thing I it, it controlled the same exact way. So like mm-hmm. you know, there's no reverse, there's no brake. You know, just just go forward. That's it. But like with the the, the aircraft or the Beluga, there there's not anything you really need to run into in the sky. You know. So, like, there's at least that. Like, it was a lot easier to get around in the, the spaceship. Um, but basically, you're just grinding outside content at this point until I think you have, like, 30 orbs. And at that point, then you can buy some heavy-duty, like, engine piece that allows you to exit the orbit of Hillis and be able to go to the moon. 
And um, at this point, you're, um, you have a little sequence where you're just flying towards the moon, and that actually is kind of, like, cool. And uh, then you, you, you land on this, uh, like, tra- was it the transmitter base to the, uh, the new the alpha sections? Or is it the alpha sections uh, moon base? That you you go to, or is it the Dom Z Moon Base? I guess it's kind of one and the same, isn't to some extent? Yeah, I'm, I don't know. Like I, I just the way I see it is like the the Alpha sections are the humanoid people, and the Dom Z are like the the creepy alien looking like um like the the, the snake monsters and um uh. But they're they kind of really distinguish with one another. Yeah, yeah, they're really in cahoots with each other. I, I like. I, I guess you you go to the. We'll just say the Dom Z uh, airspace that has a lot of alpha, alpha sections people there, and um, you basically you do this like puzzle sequence, and then you gain access to um, you gain access to the moon base, and it's a Dom Z base, and it was like super gross looking. Like I like I know like you know it wasn't like the most uh, graphically intense section, but, like, this was my actually my favorite part of the game. Yeah, I was about to say, this kind of... I, I got super excited when I got here because, like, oh, it's kind of like a change in environment a little bit, and uh, kind of dug the way it looked. Um, and I don't want to get, like, too far ahead, but I was, like, super hyped until you get to a point in that area, and then you hear the stealth music again, and then I was just about... I just did, like, the biggest eye roll at this point because I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it does happen for a split second. Yeah, yep. yeah just for a split yep. second. <laughs> like for me though, um uh the, the, so like you you go to this moon base and it is like a lot of light and mirror uh puzzles. So basically, you know, there's like a light going on, you have to turn a mirror to reflect it to an other orb to open up a door to go further and I don't know, it was just super fun to do that like there aren't a lot of like there like I don't know like this is a weird thing to say but there there aren't that many t- puzzles in this game is yeah there? they're all oh, just they're just switch puzzles and then that's like the only thing that was kind of different I guess it was just mostly just switches and then stealth sequences so it was kind of like a nice change yeah so like that that was like super cool and um, even like the the, the grab lift puzzle part too you know like um. You're, oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of platforms. It made me think of like Unreal Tournament, but there are like a lot of like the, the the way they get to different floors is instead of like a ladder or stairs, they have a gravity lift. And so like there's a puzzle sequence where you have to get to the one that's glowing green, um, but it's on like way in the back and you have to figure out, okay, how do I get to this floor so I can get to here to here? And like that part was cool too. Like, don't get me wrong, these puzzles weren't like super difficult, but like there was like hardly any combat or stealth in this entire base. Like, those are, like... I mean, we kind of all think that that's, like, the worst part of this game. Definitely. So, like, this puzzle section was so refreshing to me. Did did you guys not... Did you feel that way, Trevor? I like the puzzle. Um, The the moon base as a whole, or the transmitter base, was kind of... um, It felt rushed just because there wasn't anything else there. Like, I was kind of expecting to see, like, alien creatures that we'd have to fight like we saw, you know, the creatures on Hillis 
or we would actually see like you know the um the alpha sections like after they've undergone like the trans transformation like that one guy his face was all disfigured and stuff i thought we were actually going to fight like different enemies like that i could see that and i wonder if that if that's like a conscious thing of like well we know they've already been through a bunch of combat and people may be kind of tired of it. Or if it's just like, like you were saying, like maybe they're just running low on time and then it was like, all right, well, we kind of got to wrap this up. So we'll just kind of, you know, make an environment and not really have a whole lot going on. And, but and I think about it, if there was a lot of combat, um, kind of alluding to the last boss fight, I think I would have been fed up. But, uh, if there was any of that before that, I guess I got to, disagree with the group as far as at least like the stealth mechanic. I didn't think it was great, but um, overall I didn't find it to be like, I'd say I'm pretty neutral as far as that goes. And I'm probably neutral on the combat as well. Um, With regards to the last area and kind of the last section in the game section of the game in general, I do get the impression um, now looking at the game that it might have been rushed because you get that ship upgrade and the entire map opens up to you. But there's really only one thing you do, and that's plant it at the top of Black Isle just to get, like, 15 or 20 orbs in, like, five minutes. And it just made me think of how fast they give you those last, like, let's say two, three dozen orbs if they originally planned for it to be something much more elaborate. That's a good point. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And then I, I also was going to say, too, like hearing you guys talk about it, too, and about it feeling rushed, I didn't think about it. But in hindsight, too, like if you think about this game in the sense that it's a trilogy, it's like, hey, you're not going to fight. Like we're saying the Dom Z is like the big bad enemy. And so like the, the object of this game is to take down or not necessarily take down, but shine the light on what's really going on with the alpha sections. So that would be like the first game. So it, it made sense to me, looking back at it, why there wasn't any Dom Z that you fight at the moon base because that's not they're not about or you know like you you can't take down everybody in one game if it was a trilogy. So like if they spread it out that way, um, that makes a little bit of sense to me. It's like one faction at a time, I guess you could say. Um, but I do agree uh, that that ending stuff with the orbs and all that, it felt a lot. It felt very rushed. Um, a lot of orbs in the first half of the game, you're winning one at a time. And then like the, the later half of the game, when you have a lot of the uh, final items, you do a five minute like uh, side room and you get like three orbs, you know, it's like they were just throwing them at you at the end of the game. So yeah, they start losing value. It's like you look at the number that you need for something like, oh, that might take a while. Then you go do something. You're like, oh, never mind. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. And and a lot of it, too, is you in the in this story in the canon is you are stealing them back from the alpha sections. Like these are and uh, uh, like in theory, these are orbs that the alpha sections have stolen from the citizens and you're stealing them back. But like it doesn't really go that deep into it, you know? And another thing, like, up until this point, the only time they actually, like, used one of those orbs um, was, like, when you fight that one boss and it drops the eyeball and the eyeball turns into an orb. 
I was thinking that was going to be like a common theme throughout all the bosses. Like they were all, you know, somehow being controlled. Like, a, I don't know. It was like an, an orb that was turned into a monster or something. Like, that. like the orb was some Dom Z controlling force. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, like the, the orbs didn't really have any power. Like they just ended up turning into some kind of currency. I thought they would be like some kind of power source. Money is power. <laughs> According to Mama Go. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh so but yeah, you, you do the moon base and you get to the end and you um you find Paige and he's in a like a stasis chamber type thing, and then there's a light puzzle where you have to basically shine the lights uh three different stages to unlock three different uh or like three different levels of this puzzle, and that puzzle was also pretty cool. And then uh you, you get to page and that dude just collapses on the floor and i like i knew he wasn't dead but like i thought like whoa are they like insinuating that he's dead or like what's going on like because she kept saying like we'll come back for you man and it's like what's like he's not dead right 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 (laughs) but he was though yeah right I, i thought like he was a coma i thought that's what he was in a coma but then I was like, dang, like the game is showing like the way she's being super emotional. It's like, oh, he's dead. But he's not, right? Right? And then like you and it, it, the reason why you knew he's not dead is because the game spoils it for you. Because at two different sections going up to him, uh there are uh, like the classic video game partner uh, weight platforms that you stand on to activate a switch. And there are two sections that show three of these things that you have to stand on. So it's like, okay, I'm going to stand on one. Double H is going to stand on the other. Hmm, I wonder who's going to stand on the third. So it's like, obviously he's not dead. So like, how are they going to, how are they going to make this thing happen? Like, what are they, what are they going to explain away in order to, you know, bring him back to life? It didn't even occur to it, it, yeah. I was about to say it didn't occur to me until like after you you know he he comes back to life and then you kind of go through that puzzle or one of the puzzles that has three of those, and I'm like oh, so that's why that was there because I think it's as soon as you land the beluga and then you see there's a uh, um, a platform that has those three little things you got to stand on. I didn't think about it then. I just thought I was missing something. That part, and then when you first go outside the moon base, right before the grab lift section, uh, like, you know, it's like that, um, you have to do, like, I think it's right after you uh, un- unlock page, you have to, like, do the little sidewalk through the door, and Double H can't get through, so you go up the grab lift, and then there's the two guards on the right, and then the center platform is another one that has three of those weighted platforms. So I'm like, Really? Y'all, like, literally just going to just put this in our face? So, like, I know he's not dead, but, like, he's dead. He, he died. Like, what's going on? And then, like, how did you guys feel about the reveal? Um, I don't really know how to say this, but, like, you know, like, basically we find out that Jade has an ability. Uh, I, I kind of didn't like that that happened because I, I felt like, I mean, I, I really did think that Paige was going to stay dead because it kind of takes some of the impact away from that because it's like oh well he's back alive again and I'm like oh, I kind of thought this was going to go a different way. I kind of figured she would end up having some kind of powers because like at the beginning of the game they don't really explain like the whole 
um, like her wielding the magic staff. Like they didn't go too far. I just thought that was her weapon. Yeah, same. I didn't even think of it as being magical. (laughs) I thought it was like a stick. I mean, it it glowed whenever she swung it. I thought that was a video game. Video game effects. It's like, oh, look how cool she is. Her name is Jade, and it glows green. (laughs) Yeah, I, I actually didn't think about that, but like, I guess like the. Not, I didn't think about it before, but I guess that vision she has in the very beginning where that eye is talking to her, like, mm-hmm. I haven't gone back and watched it, but I bet it says something directly to her. And then, like, that's when she wakes up and then, you know, the, the game starts. And I bet that has something to do with her ability. Well, yeah, we'll get into that in a second. But essentially, she revives Paige and um, we get to that lift puzzle that you were talking about. You take the picture of the um, what was the dude's name? The general? Uh, Ketch. 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 You take a picture of him in the Domsey High Priest or whatever, and you have to go back and upload that photo to their like moon base, so it's trans- transmitted to all the Hillian citizens. Yeah, that's right. Oh my god. Yeah, dude. Okay. How did you guys feel about this? Because I Segundo becoming a hologram yeah. <laughs> and being a hologram hacker and basically like saving the day and like, you know, being his little sassy Hispanic self. And I like I thought the the way they depict Paige's ability to revive Paige, uh, no, Jade's ability to revive Paige is that they just basically zoom in on her hands and you see like a glowing thing happening. And then he's like, wakes up. And then I thought that was corny. And this was like, when they made Segundo a character for the sake of hacking and just, I I just like, man, like this is, this is corny. It's so corny. I think, I, I, I can't remember who said it, but I think this part of the story may have been changed because I don't know if you remember, but after you leave Paige and he's on the floor and you're like, you're going to come back for him. When you're walking across that bridge, as soon as you cross the bridge, you get that um, that call from um, the lady. And she's like, oh, wait, Paige is waking up. Yeah, Yeah, that was kind of a weird way to reveal that. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, the the governor calls you and she's like, hey, uh, we, we heard. Page on the stat, you know, the radio com. He, he's uh, he sounds a little beaten up, but he's going to be all right. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, now talking about it with you guys, it, it, this ending does seem like super rushed, and like he kind of, <laughs> kind of makes me feel a little bit like more down on the game. <laughs> um, I, cause I like I, I enjoyed playing it, but like, well, we'll we'll, fi- we'll finish we'll finish the discussion. I mean, I'm not I'm not you know, downing it or anything, I'm not disappointed in it because this game is, like, super ambitious. Like, you go from um, driving races to stealth missions to Pokemon Snap. I mean, they literally, like, tried to fit a bunch of different gameplay mechanics into this game. And it's not like... Two Jamaican rhinos? (laughs) It's not like they did all of them badly. It was just, like, some of them... Um, could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. 
I think um, even if you look at it based on like the time that the game released, like it was probably like, you know, not revolutionary, I guess, but like it was, uh, you know, it's probably like a really good game for the time it was out, but like I, all that stuff just hasn't aged very well, I guess. It's like we're looking back at a time capsule, basically saying like, this is how, you know, like games before this game didn't do this. So this is like a very early bare bones attempt at this thing that you have in games all the time now. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess, do we want to close out the story? Yeah, first? yeah. Let's, let's finish out the story. So Segundo saves the day. Hologram hacker Segundo uh, uh, tunes into the uh, Alpha Sections broadcast, and basically the whole crew, uh, Segundo, Jade, Double H, and Paige, do some impassioned speech about how the Alpha Z are actually a bunch of traitors or phonies, and they're actually in cahoots with the uh, the Dom Z. And this is displayed all over Hillis. So you see, like, those protesters that were mad are, like, even more upset and everything. And then, like, you know, everybody, like, slaps their, you know, after the speech, everybody's like, yeah, now let's go handle this thing. And then I believe that General Ket guy is kind of like, oh, no, you have more problems. Or, you know, like, I think there is, like, some uh, self-defense mode and you find out that the base that you're in is going to self-destruct in like a minute, so you have to like quickly get out of uh, get out of the the base and get back to um, your airship, basically. And, Which and, at that point you fly over to another base, if I recall. Or was it a base or someplace? You, you, you basically um, you get into the Beluga. You're gonna. I think you're attempting to fly to back to Hillis. And you get uh, um, there's tethered. a tethered. You get tethered to um, General Keck's airship, and he basically takes you for like he basically is trying to abduct your ship, and then he starts attacking you, and then that's like the uh, like a, a boss fight almost. Really, it's an air combat, and uh, you're you're basically have to bob and weave. It's from um, behind your ship view. And you have to bob and weave his laser attacks and hit the weak points on his airship, and uh, kind of Star Fox-esque, I guess. And yeah, that yeah part say what you will about those vehicle sections, but the airship was pretty tight. Yeah, yeah. This this, this was the best in me. That this was the best combat in the game, like on foot or in vehicle. This was my favorite like combat section. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, like, I don't know. It's just like you, you attack a couple of weak points. You have to dodge some lasers. The uh, the patterns start getting more and more complex. There's more things you have to dodge, uh, more points you have to attack. And um, it, it's kind of made a little trivial because you have a homing attack, but there are enough points that you have to focus on that it still takes a little bit of effort, plus you have to dodge at the same time. So, I don't know. I, I thought that fight was super cool. It was super fun. And I was like, dang, like, it took eight, nine, ten hours to get to this section of the game. Like, dang, like, I wish there was more of this, you know? Yeah, I was about to say, do you wish there was more, uh, like, ship combat? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, like, like that part where you're outside and you have to um to land and those ships from Hillis come and help you out. And, like, you're having, like, this 
you know, Star Wars battle. Yeah, the dog I, fight. Yeah. Even after <laughs> even after you get uh reinforcements that come in to help you, I was still flying around shooting them down. That part was super fun too, yeah. Like you, you um I think that so immediately after you take down the General Keck ship and then you board the ship because you have to turn off his little leash thing that's tugging like that's holding on to your ship. And then um you shut it off at the console, and then you see General Keck on the side. He's talking to you. And then I thought, like, that was going to be – I thought that was the final boss fight, right? I thought that you were going to go on the ship, and he was going to surprise attack you, and I thought that was going to be the final boss. And then you end up finding out that the dude is, like, from the crash of the airship, he's too badly injured and basically dies. Um, and then uh, – With a couple choice words before – Exactly, exactly. And then uh, you leave the ship, and then you're flying by the moon base, and there are a bunch of Domsey airships attacking you, so you you start fighting them, and it's like you against, like, 12 other ships. And then you find out, oh, people from Hillis have, you know, come up to the moon, and they're, they're um, attacking the Dom ships too. And so, like, it's a big dogfight. Like, like Trevor says, Star Wars-esque. And it was just super fun. And, you, you know, you take out, like, 10, 10 ships or so, and then there's, like, the, hey, uh, we'll, we'll keep them distracted. Go ahead and get into the base. And, you know, and, yeah, you, you go into the base, and that is the final boss encounter against. Before we get there, what about um, Keck saying that we've been chasing you for 100 years? I completely missed that part. Yeah, I, I missed that, too. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, so they kind of allude that Jade is more than she appears to be when Keck is giving his death um, speech and whatnot. He's like, me and my men have been chasing you for hundreds of years or something like that. Completely missed that. (laughs) Yeah, I missed that part too. Wow, that's what I meant when I said choice words earlier. I thought he was just like, yo, my man's is going to get you. My man's about to clap you up right now. Yeah, right? (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that leads directly into the final confrontation and kind of the events that unfold there. So yeah, you end up fighting a... The boss is the... Is it the High Priest or whatever? Yeah, I think that's his name. It's the the Domsey High Priest. It is the character that you've seen in multiple visions, like the opening vision in the game, and uh, a couple of other parts. And the entire time... Uh, he's speaking like a um, a weird, like, alien tongue, I guess you could say. And he keeps calling Jade Shawnee, which is her code name, her, like, uh, alias um, with the Iris. For the Iris network. Yeah, and, like, it made me think when she first said, like, they were like, Jade, what's going to be your code name? And she, like, no hesitation says Shawnee. And, like, I was like, well, that's, like, a really random name to have, like, on the top of your head to say, but whatever, I'll rock with it. And then, like, these guys are referring to her as Shoni, and then he reveals that she is not what she appears to be, and she is in her, he's, like, I think he says, I'm going to destroy your human form. I think he says those words, or your human body. Yeah, he does say that. And that she is his source of power, or something along those lines as well. Yeah, so, like, basically, he's set, from what I gather... Jade was set on Hillis as bait along those lines, right? 
to get cool with the humans. And then he, she was supposed to be the person that brings them back to the Domsey ships. But I guess she didn't do it. Or I, I don't know. Like this part of the story is kind of iffy to me. It kind of goes off the rails a little bit at the end as far as um, the whole mystical stuff with Jade. Like, they do foreshadow it throughout the story, but as you said, this was intended to be a trilogy, and you can definitely tell they were setting up for um, Beyond Good and Evil 2 for um, Jade figuring out, like, what her actual abilities are, essentially, and who she is and who her parents are. Yeah, so I don't know. How'd you guys feel about this boss fight? Um, there was uh, a lot of recycling of old enemies that you've seen throughout the game, and uh, even old assets being like your teammates, basically like uh, the pages and the, the double H. You basically have to fight those those character models, but doing attacks from other enemies. Um How'd you guys feel about this boss fight? Kind of felt like, if anything, this kind of proves that the game may have been rushed a little bit as far as, like, kind of like you're saying, how they reuse assets, um, enemies and stuff. And at this point in the game, I didn't realize that she had a charge attack because, okay, so I had died um, at the second phase of the boss fight at least 10 times to the point where I was like, okay, I'm just going to go look up a walkthrough because I hadn't, I couldn't figure out the pattern. Um, so I looked up a walkthrough and then they mentioned something about a charge attack. I didn't realize you had a charge attack through the whole game. What, wait, wait, what part are you talking about? Uh, the last fight with a uh, high priest. So, you know, um, he's got like two phases. I think I guess the first phase is you kind of, uh, it's like, like melee. Then he kind of puts himself up behind this thing. And then you've got to break that down and hit him again. And then their platform raises. And after the platform raises, you kind of just fight him by yourself. And so at that point um, where you hit him and then he teleports and then you hit him again and he teleports somewhere else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, when oh. they reverse the controls. Yeah, yeah. So I died there at least like 10 times, like at least. And so when I was looking online, somebody had mentioned that uh, using the charge attack is one way to do it. And at that point, like I said, I didn't realize there's a charge attack in the game. See, the charge attack, I remember, was um, they teach it to you. like That's one of the first things you learn in the game. Like when you're um, like before you pass out at the very beginning, they tell you to, to hold X to do your charge. But the problem I always have with the charge attack is you never have enough time to charge up to use it. And so, like, I never used it throughout the game. Yeah, I never used the charge attack either. <laughs> like, yeah, outside of the very, very first bottle boss battle which was another eye that you were fighting i didn't use it yeah so i'm interested to see like what that fight looked like because like i i was getting a i was getting hit a lot in the reverse controls uh there's a sequence where you basically you fight this one phase of the boss he teleports you're supposed to basically he teleports you attack him you hold a direction and attack him hold a direction attack him hold a direction attack him well then the next phase is like he like the screen gets blurry and like you're taking over and um, he's draining you of your power. So your directional control switch. So if you're hitting right, if you're holding right, your character's going left or you're holding down, your character's going up and things like that. So 
you have to do a, the second wave, uh, second phase of the boss with reverse controls. And I took a lot of damage at that section, but I had enough of like the health and healing items that like I didn't die. I, I you know I could just keep healing up. But I didn't realize that the charge like the charge attack does it do more hits in one hit or no? Yeah, so I mean I had just found out that you could do. It. I ended up trying it a couple times and it didn't work. And then I had figured out that it was a pattern of just like oh when you hit him from this one direction he goes to the other side and you just keep doing that over and over. Yeah, as long as you stay still, you just have to wait to see where he's appearing and just hit the opposite direction and attack essentially, and it should hit him. Yeah, it was just me being trash at games, but <laughs> eventually I figured it out. I, I don't know. I, I actually, I, I not as much as the the airship fight, but I did feel like, dang, like between the airship fight and this fight, these were my two favorite fighting sequences in this game. So it was like, dang, like they've built up to this. So like I, I thought the combat throughout the game, I, I wasn't a fan of it. But like I was like, man, these are both. Both of these two fights are cool, and there's a lot of variation. So like, there are a lot of, especially that last boss fight. Like, I mean, you use, you 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 make use of having a partner at certain sections. You make use of using your little dish shooter at certain sections. The dodge feature at certain se- like there was just like I was like, dang, like it was kind of cool. Like even though we said the game was rushed, I was like, man, the 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 developers are hitting their stride as far as like getting familiar with the tools and like how to make these this gameplay fun and interesting and so it yes the story and all that around it feels rushed but like the actual gameplay aspect i was like dang like they're 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 hitting their stride and i i really enjoyed it it's probably the most ambitious boss fight i guess of the game yeah like when i said rushed earlier i didn't mean it as a pejorative per se at least um, not in respect to the gameplay. It kind of reminds me of Wind Waker, where that game had a lot of um, cut content, essentially. But because of the cut content, it actually ended up being this really well-chiseled piece of software, essentially. Where I would have been kind of mad if the game went on, like, maybe five or six more hours. Oh, definitely. Like, I, I do feel like it was rushed, like, the last... Everything after the slaughterhouse was rushed. I thought it could have be it could have been rolled out a little bit more cleanly, but I'm not mad at like the the gameplay that they delivered was fun, you know. So like the story was like, hey, we're we need to get to this point ASAP. But the gameplay it like ramped up and it was fun and like I enjoyed like all like a lot of it, you know, like that whole like I don't have nothing but good things to say about basically as soon as you upgrade the uh and get the uh hover ship or the beluga everything after that is fun to me um i guess as far as wrapping up like what happens after the boss fight long ass credits (laughs) oh man (laughs) long unskippable (laughs) credits a couple reveals before the credits come on go ahead man or the reveals well you find out that jade Apparently, um, well, before the fight, you find out that she's somehow linked with this Dom Z priest, and she revived Paige, so you know she has special powers. She gets all of the um, abductees out from whatever crystallis or the little pods that were in there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. 
if I recall, like the game ends with a shot of her like floating towards the screen in her eyes. I I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I think like the camera zooms in on like it, it's doing like a, a a panning shot and it zooms in on her face and then like she's like floating a little bit and maybe there's like a glimmer or like a glow and then I think it cuts the credits right. Yeah, it's a it's a video game ass ending. Yeah, so it's like. Oh, I wonder what's happening, or you know, like, oh, I want to see what happens next. And then you, like, you literally sit, like, I think the credits were like ten minutes. Like, bro, like, this is Ubisoft we're talking about. Just be happy. <laughs> this is yeah. old Ubisoft Un- before it was like seven teams <laughs> worth of people. Unskippable ten minute segment of uh, credits, and even got to the point where they were playing a song. The song ended, and then it just started playing ambient video game music or noise, not music, like birds chirping and like for the second half of the credits. And I'm like, what? The? I thought my game, I thought my game, had messed up again because I was like, why is there no music playing when they're still showing names? And um, and it all culminates with, I guess you you describe it, Darren. Well, you get a shot of Paige, if I recall. Paige is by himself at this point. And I think he's at the lighthouse at this point. And pretty much what happens is he slowly looks at his palm and notices like the alien gem in the middle of it. I guess that's the best way I can describe it. Growth. A tumor of sorts. Yeah, I thought basically, it was growth. <laughs> it, it just basically he looks at his hand, his hand is fine, and then it emerges from underneath his skin. And uh, then the, the game, black. yeah, the game fades to black, and then you're back at the menu screen. So it's like a weird, like video game ass, like, well, what's gonna happen next? And then, <laughs> like, you know, you we never find out. <laughs> we never find out. Is this a good point to jump off into um, Beyond Good and Evil Two? Uh, before we do that, before we do that. Uh, Overall, how did you guys feel about the game or the ending of the game? Actually, like uh, I think we all kind of think it was rushed, but like, was there anything that you would have liked to have seen differently, or were you happy with where we were left off? Like, like we'll we'll assume that uh, in this game was a part of a trilogy and not one of one. So, like, we'll we'll talk from it from that aspect. Um, as a trilogy, um, I think it was it did a good job of like kind of setting up the universe a little bit um, and then even giving you something to kind of look forward to in the, in the second game with that uh, end scene with Paige. Um, it would have been nice to have maybe the personality of some characters come out a little bit more or learn a little bit more about the, about their background. But I guess if it, you know, if we're looking at it as being a trilogy, um, they kind of did enough, I guess, to set that up if, you know, for the second game. What about you? Trevor. Um yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to the trilogy just because of that ending. Um you know, like I was saying before, like when you go to the um when you go to the transmitter base on the moon, you know, and I was expecting to see like um these creatures taken over by, you know, the Dom um the Doms or, you know, even alien creatures on there. I think, you know, them showing Paige with the thing on his hand, I think that might make way for, you know, different types of factions, like you said, 
um, being in the next game. And so it'll definitely have, or it should have better, better combat and maybe different um, character assets, um, enemy assets, I mean, that they can use rather than rehashing the same ones like they did in the boss battle. Dante? Well, from the trilogy perspective, I'm actually mostly indifferent about it because the story is definitely not the reason I came to Beyond Good and Evil. I thought it was pretty... uh, It was serviceable. Like, they told the story they wanted to tell. I was more in it for the gameplay, so... Ah, uh, I guess overall I'm fine with how they ended it. I yeah, I, I will have to agree with you. Like, um, I, I I think the story. I I don't know. I think you're selling a little short. It was interesting, and like I think in order to even have that ambition to say, hey, we're gonna have a trilogy, and these are all these gameplay elements, there has to be some like interesting story wrapped around it. And I do think the story was interesting enough that I wanted to see more content from uh, about this world and these characters. Uh, kind of piggybacking off of what Greg said, too. I, I wish the characters were fleshed out a little bit more. Um, but, you know, if they had the idea that, hey, this is going to be a trilogy, then I- ideally they would have had time to, you know, develop the characters more and things like that. But unfortunately, uh, that didn't happen. So... We are left with a single game um, that is until, I guess, there were a few announcements. Like, we kind of talked about it last episode, but um, I guess you want to you wanna talk about the Beyond, Beyond Good and Evil 2 trailers, Dante? Okay, so the first Beyond Good and Evil 2 announcement came at E3, I believe, on 2008, and... Um, I guess we can just go trailer by trailer and kind of just give quickly, our- like yeah, we'll do it quickly touching on them. Did everybody watch the trailers first and foremost? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. cool, 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 cool. So the 2008 one was the desert one, right? Yes, the desert one with Jaden Page. All right, so I think the way this one cuts in is you see a. Uh, you see a creature because there it's undistinguishable. I feel like in the beginning, you see a creature in the desert. He has a magazine over his face and he's napping and the camera's like slowly panning out. And then you realize, Oh, it's a pig, you know? And he's like leaning up against a busted down car in the desert. And he's like napping. And then he takes the magazine. Like there's a fly buzzing around and I guess it wakes him up. And he's um, uh, takes the magazine or newspaper off his face to reveal his scar that he has across his eye, which I feel like is like probably the most distinguishing feature that he has. Um, he can wear whatever, but I feel like that scar is like, oh, that is Paige and not a video game pig, you know. <laughs> and um, what uh, he he basically goes back to sleep. He goes back to sleep and he's the camera still like it's zooming out and uh, he ends up like I think sucking in the, the the fly through his nose and then like he just it's a super weird trailer 
and it keeps zooming out. You see like a figure in the car uh, or sitting on top of the car with like an umbrella, which I guess you're led to believe is Jade. Um, she's like meditating or something on the car and uh, it just fades out, you know, pans out, says Beyond Good and Evil 2. And that's really it. There's no gameplay, no dialogue really, uh, besides him counting off like this is the 50th and 51st flies that he snorted through his nose. But there's like nothing in it. Like and it's in a completely different environment than the previous game was. Um, there's like literally no through line aside from the characters to this orig- this first game. Uh, and how, how did you guys like? Would that have been enough to like sell you on a second game? Um, I don't know. I, and I feel like the trailer was almost just made just to say, "Hey, look, we're just doing this." It was like they didn't even necessarily have. Maybe they did have an idea of what they wanted to do for the second game, but it just seems kind of odd that it's in a completely different environment like that for no apparent reason, I guess. It was the most, you know, teaser trailer of teaser trailers. Yeah. Isn't it? I don't know. Like, yeah. Like a teaser trailer is like, like you said, like, Hey, we're working on this thing. And so like, yeah, we're, like we're basically building hype. <laughs> yeah. We're building hype towards this thing. It's like, Hey, you know, that thing you guys have been on message boards for the past, uh, four or five years, like, oh, I wish they did this, I wish they did this. Here's our trailer to basically announce that we are working on it. And uh, so, like, I, I, I honestly, I think, though, that if if you hadn't played this game, the first game, there would have been no nothing about this trailer that would have told you anything about the game at all. It was basically, like, just like, hey, here's this character. If you know this character, you know what to expect. If you don't, well... <laughs> So be it. Yeah. So one takeaway I did get from the trailer was the the highway and the car that they're working on. It made me think, is this going to be an open world game? I mean, I I think there's like a lot of things you could probably draw. Because like for me, I was like, oh, this is a desert environment. They must be on a different planet. That was my first thought. Was like, oh, they're not on Hillis because Hillis is like a European, like very lush and green environment with a lot of water. This place is like a desert, you know. And so that that's what I immediately thought was like, oh, they're on a different planet. So yeah, I thought it was a different planet too. Um, I mean, they had access to the Beluga, so I figured at that point they were probably going to a different planet. Yeah, like at that point, they're they're trying to you know figure out Jade's backstory, so there's probably more Domsey stuff involved. Um, but uh, yeah, that lead, that brings us into the second trailer, which uh, I guess you can explain that as well, Darren. Dante. Okay. Um, well, let's see what happens. It's very totally different than the first trailer. This one came out in two thousand nine. And from my understanding, this was actually leaked footage. It wasn't like officially Ubisoft sanctioned, essentially, which is kind of a funny thing if you think of their history of leaks. But it shows Jade. um, She's going through this kind of futuristic city or steampunk-esque city. I don't want to even call it steampunk because it was still kind of in that desert, wasn't it, Marcus? Um. So, like, it, this is gameplay footage, and so, like, they have... This is all, like, I assume in-engine gameplay footage, and uh, 
she's basically kind of mirrors edge slash assassin creating it around. She's being chased by what we assume is like the collapse, the cops or some type of authorities. And she's like, you know, traversing, climbing up a ladder, doing parkour, jumping from building to building, uh, running through rooms, all that. At there's, there's one point where she runs across the street and there are these trolleys. These, they're not hover vehicles. They're like trolleys that made me kind of think of like, um, India. And then she jumps on a rooftop, uh, and there's like a helicopter, like a hover helicopter, and it is painted the colors of the Indian flag, the, the orange, the white, and the green. Uh, so that's what made me believe that it was in India, like the environment plus the, 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 the colors of that, uh, that helicopter. And then she jumps in that helicopter and it takes off, and then you see she's being chased by three or four police-colored helicopters with sirens and everything, so... This is gameplay footage, though, not uh, a cinematic trailer. Yeah, it's about a one-minute trailer, and um, it seems very Uncharted-esque. And that's the kind of general vibe. You're, like, running through these streets. There's all of these, like, very elaborate set pieces chained one after the other. And it's kind of this very... Very different experience because the camera's going every which way and actually like following behind her in a really dynamic setting. Everything seems slightly um, more realistic as well. If you look at the people, like I'm looking at it right now a little bit and there's like a bunch of people she's avoiding. There's like these kind of like goats and stuff that she's running past using her arms to like push them out of the way as she's getting to to that helicopter. It's very, very cinematic. Very cinematic. It was after watching this trailer when I I started thinking, because I was like, man, Beyond Good and Evil was a really ambitious game. And then after watching that first trailer from 2008 and then watching this trailer, it's just like, okay, they're looking at maybe an open world concept. And now they're introducing this parkour traversal. And then just after playing the first game, seeing all these different gameplay mechanics. It's like, what are they going to try to put together in this next game? So it it really raises a lot more questions like, you know, maybe the development time is needed because this game is so ambitious. The sequels can be so ambitious. And I remember um, when this leak footage got out there in 2009, it looked mind-blowing. Everybody's like, there's no way this is in real time. This... This all just looks too good, and especially knowing Beyond Good and Evil's history of being kind of like this B game of sorts where, like, it had a pretty decent budget, but it wasn't, like, comparing to, like, God of War or Uncharted or anything. Then they released this footage, and it all looks really, really nice. And everybody's like, is this for the next-gen consoles? Back before we knew um, the Xbox One and PS4 weren't going to come out until 2013. Do you got anything, Greg, about this one? Oh, about the uh, the second trailer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not really. I mean, I guess it just kind of looks like a, uh, um, kind of like a. I guess going back off uh, what was said earlier about it kind of looking like Uncharted ish, and I guess given the time, I want to say Mirror's Edge uh, came out around that time, so um, maybe they were taking some notes from that game as far as the parkour elements and stuff like that. 
Yeah, to me, I, I, didn't pl- I haven't played the Uncharted, but, like, I think Mirror's Edge was, like, 2007, and then, like, the Assassin's Creed, not the first one, like, more like the second one, but, like, those were, like, the two big, like, this is, this reminds me, this sequence reminds me of those games. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought this was a better, much better, exciting uh, trailer, if you will, than the, the other one. And it also made me believe that these are two different, I don't know. And to me, it was like, I, there's a little bit of a through line, I guess you could say, because I, I, I think there was a Jade-esque figure in that first trailer. But I was like, I, I prefer the direction that this trailer is going than the first one. Um, yeah, personally. I think it's kind of weird that, uh, if, sorry if I remember, one of the defining elements of like, when people always talked about Beyond Good and Evil was kind of the camera. And like neither of these trailers kind of highlight any of that whatsoever. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it myself too. And I was like, I think that will have to be like, do you think that has to be in any sequel that they make for this game? No, probably not. But I think at the time, you know, with that's kind of how everybody would, you know, one of the things that everybody remember from the game that you would think they would find a way to kind of like include that even as just like a nod to like people who played the original. But I, I may not be a main part, but I do think the camera will be important because I, I like the way I see it is she's going to be some type of like underground or like like the investigative journalist aspect of the game that the first one took, I think will be very big with her trying to break into areas to gather information, intel, or even like an item. So like maybe like a cat burglar S type character. But I do think that she will break into places and inevitably she will re- be required to take some type of picture of what she sees. Or I guess she would, would be the better way yeah. of phrasing yeah. it. But um, yeah, like I think the camera is a defining feature of beyond good and evil so i couldn't removing it completely like i think i think it's kind of difficult to showcase in a trailer especially if you're trying to like get that action feel hype or the action movie hype they were trying to do with the second one and um in general about the second trailer it's just a more fully fleshed out product than the first trailer the first one was like hey i just want to let you guys know we're working on something on beyond good and evil Two, it's like, hey, we've actually created an engine and we have kind of a premise for what we want to do. And um, here's the direction we think we want to take with it. And last but not least, let's discuss the most recent trailer that was revealed this E3. Um, so <laughs> this is just to before, to pepper the conversation a little bit. This trailer is quite different than the other ones. Uh, yeah, so this trailer, um, I, I've only seen this trailer once. Uh, so actually, Darren, if you would, you want to take the lead on this? All right. Well, just correct me if I'm misremembering anything, but it essentially starts with a transaction between a pig that I do not believe is Paige. It is a Paige-esque pig, but I don't think it's Paige because he has a giant mustache. Didn't see the scar, not the same guy, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. And um, a monkey with a bionic arm. Hands, but also he was like, um, 
I hear an echo. What's that? Okay, we're. Do you guys hear that, or is that just me? No, nah, I kind of faintly hear it. Okay, okay, we're good now. Um, he had like a British, like a like a, a black guy from British accent, uh, which was kind of weird. He had a gold tooth, and like I don't know, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, to be honest. But yeah, he did have like a grapple hook hand, and they were doing some type of transaction. Him and the pig. And the pig got duped, and he was not happy about it. And then, so, like, the monkey ends up using his grapple hook hand and getting out of there, and you immediately, like, the pig... We should also point out, there's cursing in this. There's dialogue, but more specifically, there is a lot of cursing in this. Um, Lots of F-bombs going off, left, right, and sideways. Yeah, and, uh, but he, the monkey grabs onto a, a ship, uh, like a hover ship, and you, it pans out to the city, and you're like in a very, very futuristic, like steampunk s world. Um, fly, hover vehicles, um, a lot of like industry uh, going on, smokestacks, and but it it, it has a weird. Um, so like the the pig hut is kind of like a uh, an Asian vibe. He has uh, he's surrounded by Asian women, and uh, I think. Um, a lot of the statues and monuments in the city are like Thai uh, Thai statues, like uh, Buddhist temples and things like that. So it, it it looks like it's like a maybe like a steampunk steampunk version of like a Bangkok or like a Bangkok esque city. Um, but uh, he he ends up you know um, grabbing onto an airship, and uh, the airship is piloted by. Uh, uh, a wavy hair black chick, right? <laughs> and um, they're running from the cops, and uh, is that correct? Or they're they're being chased by some some? Yeah, there's something after them. Missiles are following them on their way back to their base, and um, the monkey and the girl eventually drop off into this bigger ship. And there is a um, huge crew, a big crew of, uh, I don't know, it made me think of, like, Mass Effect. And, like, you you know, you get to this big ship, and then there's just a lot of people, like, staffing the ship and manning the ship. And then you talk to some woman behind a command desk, and she, like, specifically this woman, like, there's not that much about her that you can see. But they make a note to point out the fact that she has greenish lipstick, I think, or eyes, one of the two. So it makes it seem like kind of like is this is this Jade? Is this Jade? Yeah, it and, specifically like closes up on her eyes at one point. And then like you see the ship, it, it it's a huge ship and it's coming out of this like cloudy blanketed area. And then they're like, all right, we're gonna set the course for this thing. And then you see the ship kind of lurch forward a little bit. Then it just zips out and like just in the blink of an eye, it's gone. And you can see like the clouds kind of like. Uh, kind of dissipate and then then like it kind of fades to black and you see like the beyond good and evil two text coming in and i can just imagine the way they did that text like the the eruption in the crowd when they revealed it because it was kind of ambiguous how they they started with the middle and worked their way out and i was like that that is a that is a trailer right there i uh I would be day one just watching that trailer. It was very was like, cinematic. Yeah, that trailer was. I mean, it, that trailer was awesome. That that Bonnet Commando monkey. I'm all there. 
So, so did anybody see the trailer when it actually was released, like during the Ubisoft press conference? I did. I did. Okay, so like, was I the only person that noticed it as soon as I saw like the the pig snout that it was like, okay, this is Beyond Good and Evil too. Yeah, it, it, once you saw the pig, it's like, okay, they're finally doing something with this franchise. Um, one small thing I wanted to add to what Marcus said was when the ship went into hyperdrive or whatever, you see all of these other giant planets in the background. So there's just this sense of space, like literal space that it creates in that last shot. Also, when they're on the ship, I was just rewatching the trailer. And um, when they're on the ship, it looks like a pirate ship, actually, like on the inside. Because the steering wheel, like the ship's wheel, is like a skull. And then it looks like, you know, like an actual pirate ship steering wheel. And then there's like this this flag in the background that's like this futuristic pirate flag. And so, and with that crew, it makes it seem like they're they're actual like space pirates. And then, of course, with the monkey taking the, um, I'm assuming it's an M disc. I don't know. They haven't upgraded technology yet, but and Blu-ray <laughs> with the monkey stealing Bruh. that, it will lead me to believe you know it's some kind of pirate crew. Bruh, what if I told you Beyond Good and Evil Two is a prequel? Bruh. Yeah, like yeah, we talked about that. Um, that actually what the Wikipedia said the first time. You know, we talked about the first episode. So it's supposed to be a prequel, but then it's like, well, how early or you know, how early are these events to the first game? You know, because like that character is a Jade's character, and then I guess what you reveal that hey, they've been following this character Jade for a hundred years. I mean, like maybe. It's Jade, but it's a different Jade than that, the one we know, you know? Oh, man, that's kind of profound. I didn't even consider that it could be, like, not her mom or something. It could literally just be, like, she could be Link. That just to harp on the whole Zelda homage that's going on through the entire game, it's like, there's always one hero of time. There's always one Jade. I don't know. But yeah, but I mean, I don't know, like the way the trailer even made it seem like she wasn't even like a key character, like a, not a key character, but she wasn't like the focal character. Like you, you're led to believe it's either the monkey or the black chick, you know? Did yeah, anybody watch any too. of the, um, I guess, alpha gameplay? The so, so the other weird thing about this that the trailer didn't hit on, but was announced shortly after was part of this game is kind of like early access where they have they plan to have players play the game before it's actually out, which is mind boggling for something beyond good and evil, essentially, since that was a single player game. Whereas this one seems like a very open world, almost no man's sky esque type invention. I just remember seeing like a section. This may be what you're referring to, I guess, but, uh, there's just like a little clip that I've seen of like Eve's Gimon, not Eve's Gimon, um, Michelle, what's his name? Uh, Michelle Ansel. There we go. Alright, I don't know why I got those guys confused. Anyway, uh, of him just kind of flying around the ship with the monkey, and I don't know if that was what it was. Oh yeah, with the jetpack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all I kind of remember seeing of it. Yeah, so I didn't watch t- the entirety of the gameplay footage, but they were just kind of explaining it 
as they were flying around the ship with the monkey and they're like, Oh yeah, this is going to be a giant game. You can fly around. It's you have a creative character. If I recall correctly. And it's like, this doesn't even sound like beyond good and evil to some extent, but I'm still in. Yeah. I think the, the trailer is very striking and very cool. Um, and I'm ex- if this is actually what this game is going to be, unlike the other ones, or if the other ones are like, you know, a little bit of like inspiration, I'm all for it because this game looks very, very cool to me. Like just the, the, the premise in the world that they uh, shown in the trailer, it looked very, very promising, and I'm I'm about this. So hopefully, this come this actually becomes a game, unlike the others. Hopefully, this one actually becomes a game. Um, yeah, I can definitely get behind that. I guess uh, with that, uh, do, do we have any do we have any other beyond beyond good and evil discussion that we need to get out? Anybody? I'm glad I scratched this one off my um, my backlog. Yeah, yeah, it's the same here. Like I, I personally, like the way I, the way I feel about this game is, um, I'm glad I played the game. I wish I had played the game when it came out, because um, this game I don't think necessarily aged that well. But I, I definitely see why people hold this game, and like there's like a a fan base around this game because like the things that it did when this game was new, a lot of games weren't doing. It was very ambitious, and um, I see a lot of influences from this game into other games and vice versa. Like, there's a lot that um, I see other games probably took from this game, and games, uh, this game was a huge precursor for. Uh, so, and one thing, One thing we didn't talk about was um, the achievements. Um, cause on Xbox, you know, there's only 200 gamer score for this game. So it's like an Xbox live arcade game, I guess, or at least was considered like one of the arcade games. So was this, this not a, a full fledged game at all? I mean, it definitely, I, I'm pretty sure it was a retail game. Price. Yeah. It was a retail okay. game. It wasn't yeah. considered like a, like, yeah, like the, the amount of content in this game, like, like I wonder, like what the play times of this game would have been back in two thousand and three, two thousand four. Not to say that the game would have took people played games slower or anything like that, but like just the the value you got from this game as far as content compared to games that were coming out at that time. Like this was this was by all means this was a triple A game, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely a sixty dollar game. Like. Yeah, I, I don't know. We we kind of view it like me, me and you specifically because we didn't play this game back then. That uh, we kind of view it in the lens of like, oh, this you know, this was like a I bought this game for twenty dollars and it's an Xbox Live Arcade game. But no, this was this was a full length game uh, in two thousand and three or four when I think four when it came out. So yeah, I guess if I had a closing comment, I really, really miss the wackiness. Like, games are wacky now, but they're wacky in the... I don't know, it's a different type of wacky. This is just, like, video games, and now there's a pig and a talking, like, goat man thing, and you just don't see that in, like, $60 retail games anymore. You'll see it in the indie scene occasionally. I guess, like, kind of like a lightheartedness, maybe? Yeah, like, lightheartedness, lightheartedness and creativity in the triple a space i think that's something that um 
really stands out about this game when compared to other $60 titles. For sure, for sure. Um, but I guess, does anybody have any, any other closing comments for Beyond Good and Evil? No? All right. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I guess that's going to be our discussion for Beyond Good and Evil. Um, I think we said last time uh, our next game will be Trevor's game, Life is Strange. So uh, we'll we'll be starting that up. We'll be... The, the four of us will start playing that whenever it's convenient, but uh, I don't think we're going to start releasing content for that until next month. I think we're going to try to keep it to uh, a game or two a month. <clears throat> so um, uh, be on the lookout for Life is Strange next month. And uh, if you want to hear any, if you want to contact us directly, hit us up on our individual Facebook and Twitter pages. Uh, this is going to be the part where everybody plugs their Twitter page and Facebook page like they practice this a million times. So I'll start with you, uh, Dante. Oh, man, you're going to put me on a spot like that? Yep. <laughs> Everybody's right, you can, scrambling. <laughs> you can reach me at um, Twitter. Dot, is it Twitter.com? I don't even remember, man. Yeah, it's, it is Twitter.com. <laughs> Twitter.com um, slash Awaken Cloud. And that's also my Twitch.tv name. Greg? Uh, Twitter, you can catch me at, uh, at Boombox Hero. I think my Facebook is the same too. And I stream Street Fighter mostly about four or five times a week, uh, about seven o'clock. And you can follow me at XDRD Magnegro X. Trevor, did you end up finding out your Twitter login? <laughs> and don't don't follow me on Twitter. You will be bored. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I'm on Xbox Live, um, Lyric Unsung. So, yeah. Um, and then my Twitter and Facebook, uh, Potato Salad, uh, P0TAT05ALAD. Uh, there's an underscore in between uh, potato salad and my Twitter handle, but my Facebook one is just all spelled out. And uh, we do have a Facebook page that we are in the works, or you know, in the midst of creating. We have the page created. Uh, we're just adding content to it now. So um, I was, we were going to try to have that stuff all set up uh, for this show, but. Uh, we will definitely, I'm saying it now, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking it to an existence. Uh, the, we will have the, fa- the t- Facebook page set up by the time our next show comes out. So by the time, by the time, by the the time this episode, is uploaded, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. By, by the time, well, at least, yeah, by the time this is uploaded. Yeah, we'll, we'll say that instead. That's a little bit quicker. So, um, yeah, we, we've got the About Us section filled out. We are almost finished up with the logo and um, uh, a little bit of other things. And then we are trying to determine who uh, who's doing what. So we're just figuring out some of the logistical things, but then we'll start having all that stuff handled. And you guys can send in your questions and comments via Facebook to us, and we'll eventually uh, – have a better way of receiving those questions. So 
Uh, I guess with that, I'm Marcus, along with the homies, Greg, Dante, and Trevor, and we are signing out. Peace.